You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord, as we reflect this day, I pray that you'd be in the midst of us and that ultimately we would hear from you, that we would see you, that we would know you and be known by you. And I pray that um, ultimately that my words would fade away and your words would come forth. And all this I ask and offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So uh, today, going to be doing some, uh, some introductory work, and we'll be reflecting today and two more Sundays, um, and drawing from, among other things, but um, particularly uh, the, the title is, is Life Together. Um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote uh, a, a book uh, some reflections, and it's called, uh, at least in the English transla- translation, Life Together, and, and it explores um, Christian community. And we're going to be drawing from Paul's letter to the Philippians as well. And so um, uh, invite your engagement, invite your participation. I'm still trying to figure out what Christian community is. Um, so if y'all can help us as we come to this, uh, as we come to this together, um, that would be I'd be welcomed and and focusing on community as well because um, obviously it's something that that we at any time we long for um, we we long for relationships we long for connection we long for um, a sense of meaning and and purpose we long to be grounded I mean these are all sort of inherent um, human desires to to have those things and to experience those things and it's one of the things. Um, that is extended to us uh, in, in Christian community. But one of the things that we'll explore a little bit as we go on, and this is true, um, one of the things that, that, that Bonhoeffer, um, I think quite rightly, um, challenges are these uh, visions of the ideal that we project on, uh, that we project on Christian community, um, that, that we bring our ideas, we bring our ideals. And that's something which we talk about a good bit, just expectations in general. Um, expectations, we, we all have them, and they often create a lot of issues, don't they? Um, the expectations, what's one of the things we talk about in premarital counseling <laughs> are expectations um, that, we bring, uh, that we bring into marriage. And, uh, if, and typically, the way our expectations are, really we have expectations more for other people than for ourselves, uh, particularly in marriage, right? Exactly, I really feel like they should apply more to my spouse um, than, than to me. And then, of course, when our expectations are, are not met, um, we are disappointed. Uh, and when we're disappointed, um, we, we blame. And I find that really builds a lot of community in marriage. Um, sort of, you know, expectations, disappointment, blame really sort of endears us to one another. So, and we can do the same thing in Christian community. We can bring these expectations on, you know, this is what it should be. Uh, this is what the people should be um, in this community. This is what I should receive um, out of this experience. So expectations are something that we bring um, to everything. But I'll, I'll give a little synopsis about uh, Bonhoeffer's life. And uh, there are those of you in here, I'm sure, who know a great deal more um, about um, Bonhoeffer. But uh, among other things, he was, um, Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor and was a theologian, and he was, he was a martyr. Uh, he was one who was martyred um, for his faith, and he's maybe one of the martyrs that at least 
uh, we know a little bit about uh, in, in name, and he was during the time uh, of the Nazis. He lived and ministered um, in Germany during the time of the rise of the Third Reich. And so he was one of those who was actively involved in, in what was referred to as the Confessing Church, those who resisted, and in the case of Bonhoeffer to the point of his death, those who resisted um, the relationship uh, of much of the German Christian church with the, with the rise of the Third Reich. So he was one of those who was uh, obviously unwilling um, to capitulate. He was unwilling um, to give up uh, on the, the, the truth uh, and the message uh, of the gospel. And he was, uh, as I mentioned, he was martyred uh, in April 1945. And it was actually, uh, uh, he was uh, in a number of prisons, but, but wound up in the Flossenburg uh, concentration camp, and it was actually shortly before it was liberated by the Americans. Um, shortly before it was liberated by the Americans, at, at the direction actually of Heinrich Himmler, the leader of the SS. Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, they they made sure uh, that before um, before they were liberated, that that Bonhoeffer was executed. So thus was their sort of their their venom and their animosity um, toward him because of the the clarity with which he spoke and, and the way in which, you know, um, uh, leaders typically don't like prophets um, because uh, prophets have a way of exposing leaders uh, and leaders don't like to be, uh, leaders don't like to be exposed. Uh, and so, so Bonhoeffer, uh, not only did he uh, expose them, but the other thing that was maddening uh, about him and, and the prophets to leaders is they also weren't able to break them. Uh, not only did he speak words of truth, which, uh, which exposed them, but they, but they weren't able to break them. Uh, he, he held fast, um, he held fast to this and, and actually, um, very much, um, in, in the, uh, in the image of Christ in, in a way to sort of further, um, torture and, and humiliate, they, they stripped, um, the prisoners as they led them away, um, to the, to the gallows. And it's, you know, very much that imagery, um, of the cross, which which Bonhoeffer, uh, which Bonhoeffer um, shared, and uh, I'll read um, one of the things uh, when he first began uh, in prison. He was uh, in an area that was um, Tegel was the name of it. It was a military prison, so he sort of went from that and gradually uh, made his way to the concentration camp. But during his time there, some of the prison, uh, some of the jailers were. Um, uh, were, were actually sort of um, fond of him and, uh, and appreciated him, and they would actually secretly take him to the cells of other prisoners who were distraught, uh, and he would minister um, during his time in prison. You know, very much you, you, have, the, you have the image of, of Paul um, with the Philippian jailer that we hear uh, in the Acts of the Apostles as uh, they think that they have escaped and he's about to fall on a sword, uh, and Paul says, you know what, stop, we're, we're right here. Um, we're, we're, we're right here. And of course, as you remember, um, Paul goes, this, the man says to, to Paul, what, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and he says, uh, believe in, believe on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. The man and his family were baptized. He takes Paul into his home. He, uh, he, cleans, uh, he cleans Paul's wounds. Uh, Paul had that ministry. And one of the things, this is actually a question that could be rhetorical or not. Um, one of the things that's interesting, because I've in thinking about this and thinking about the life and the ministry of Bonhoeffer and what comes through in his writing and thinking about the life and the ministry of Paul. And uh, of course, Philippians is one of the prison epistles that he writes. Um, and yet, of course, 
when we think about the well, when you think about the letter to the Philippians, what what jumps out in your mind? And this is actually you're you're welcome to respond. Pardon me. Community. Community, absolutely. Uh, what else? This is the magical guess what I'm thinking question. Um, what's, what's one of the most famous, uh, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. We, we think about joy when we think about Paul's letter to the Philippians. There is joy, there is um, thanksgiving um, throughout. And, you know, wonderfully, it's also very real. It, it mentions conflict, it mentions uh, hostility, uh, it, you know, it, it mentions all the things that you and I know in our own lives, in our own relationships, in our own communities. So it's not, it's not fake or phony or ethereal in any way. It's very real, but yet throughout all of it is this profound sense of joy um, and rejoicing. And, and if you remember, it begins, as Paul begins, um, he, he writes to the people and he, and he speaks to them about how he has them in his heart. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way um, about you because I have you um, in my heart. And I'm confident, I'm sure that he who began a good work and you will carry it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. One of the things that comes through in Paul's letter to the Philippians is joy, um, is um, thanksgiving, uh, is rejoicing. There is a, a profound sense of, of, of calm and of peace uh, and we have a men's Bible study that meets on Thursday, and we read through this past Thursday um, the stoning of Stephen and Stephen's martyrdom. And one of the things that we hear in that is that um, that, that Stephen's face shone uh, as Moses had shown before him. Such was the presence of God with him. And of course, one of the things that Stephen does uh, is he prays for those who are stoning him as he's being stoned. But my question is this, why do you think it is that the martyrs seem so much happier than you and me? And that's kind of I'm sort of seriously. That's what I was just thinking about this. I thought there's there's something to this. The martyrs tend to seem to be infinitely more joyful, um, infinitely more hopeful at at, at, at peace um, than, than than you and me. Um, uh, you know, kind of a, the you would think the inverse, uh, but no. There seems to be such a joy, um, such a peace, such a sense of certainty uh, in the lives and the ministry of the martyr. And I I think it's because of their relationship with um, their relationship with Jesus Christ, their trust in Jesus Christ, the presence uh, of Jesus in the Spirit um, in their lives, um, and and God's presence often um, in our lives. They're always, but but often during these times of tremendous need is when we is when we look for it most specifically. But let me read to you. Um, this is when uh, at at the end um, for. Bonhoeffer, he was there uh, amongst uh, numerous nationalities. Uh, it was uh, that particular concentra concentration camp close to the border there, um, the, the Russian front, uh, Czechoslovakia. So there were, you know, Russians and there are, of course, you know, Englishmen and, and Frenchmen, Italians, Germans, uh, the whole um, works. I actually knew a guy back in the day when I was at the cathedral in Charleston. He was a great guy. And um, I went to visit him one time uh, after he'd had surgery for his appendix. And he showed me the, there's a rather um, significant scar and he showed beneath that he had actually had, um, he was actually a POW um, during World War II and he had had emergency surgery um, while he was there in the, uh, in the POW camp during World War II. And there was this little tiny infinitesimal scar that he had and he actually, 
he was talking, he shared a little bit about that experience. Um, he said he came out of that, uh, the, the, the POW camp out of World War II, and he said he, laid, he weighed less than 100 pounds. So you can imagine a, 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 a grown man who weighs, um, or, or woman for that matter, um, who, lays, who weighs less than 100 pounds. But he told me there was, uh, in that uh, camp with him, uh, there was actually, there was a British surgeon that just happened to be um, in that POW camp at the same time and that, that performed this uh, surgery on me. He said they, would, they had just very limited supplies and it had a little chloroform. He said one of the things he asked him, he said, are you a drinker? And he said, no. He said, good, they take too much chloroform. And so he just kind of knocked him out there and, and made, did the surgery. And rather than using um, string, because, you know, surprisingly supplies were limited um, in, the, in the POW camp, he, he tore, talk about ahead of his time, tore strips of, of, of can and used them like staples to hold, uh, to hold the incision shut. And they, I mean, just uh, amazingly, this guy um, had this experience uh, and shared. But Bonhoeffer is in this concentration camp and the authorities realize that um, the time is coming um, when they are about to be freed and they want to make sure that they're able to execute him before um, he's freed. And this is the comment of the English officer that was there. Bonhoeffer actually had done a service, a service of worship um, for the people there, and they took him from that to his execution. And this is what the English officer wrote. Bonhoeffer always seemed to me to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm not wagging my finger at you and me, but when's the last time you felt that? <laughs> a profound sense of of gratitude um, that, 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 that here you are, uh, that we're gathered together and, and, that, you're, and that you're alive. Uh, this speaks as much um, to me as to you. Bonhoeffer always seemed to me to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. He was one of the very few persons I've ever met for whom God was real and always near. On Sunday, April 8, 1945, Pastor Bonhoeffer conducted a little service of worship and spoke to us in a way that went to the heart of all of us. He found just the right words to express the spirit of our imprisonment, the thoughts and the resolutions it had brought to us. He had hardly ended his last prayer when the door opened and two civilians entered. They said, Professor Bonhoeffer, come with us. That had only one meaning for all prisoners, the gallows. We said goodbye to him. He took me aside. This is the end. But for me, it is the beginning of life. The next day, he was hanged in Flossenburg. Um, so that's uh, the, the, the profound uh, presence uh, of, of Jesus uh, in his life. One of the um, gentlemen that... Um, that wrote about him, and this was, these were words that, that uh, particularly um, struck me. He wrote this, he said, His life and his death and his writings throb with the simple downright faith of one who has met Jesus Christ and accepted the ultimate consequences of that, uh, that, is, that is life uh, and that his writing uh, and even his death throb uh, with the reality uh, and also the consequences of having met um, of having met Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, uh, that's an incredible thing to be said. But Bonhoeffer, as I mentioned, he was part of the, 
um, confessing church. Uh, and again, this is just sort of an, uh, an overview, not every particular detail, but he um, came uh, into contact with Karl Barth. That might be a name which is um, familiar to you. Uh, Karl Barth's um, church dogmatics, the Barman Declaration. Uh, he was one who was actively involved, again, uh, in, the, in the confessing church, those who were um, resisting um, the sort of marriage of the church um, and, uh, and the Third Reich. Uh, but um, Bonhoeffer, uh, impacted by him, Bonhoeffer also spent some time um, away um, in London pastoring two congregations there. He spent some time also in New York City um, at Union Theological Seminary and, and uh, neighbor, among others, are, are people with whom he came into contact with and people who had impact on him and he had impact uh, on them as well. But also he, he made a friend, uh, an African-American seminarian there who introduced him to the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem. Uh, and, that, and the ministry of that particular place uh, had a tremendous um, impact on him. Not only uh, a love of his um, uh, for spiritual, swing low, sweet chariot, among others, and, and his sort of bringing those back and introducing those um, in, uh, in Europe. But just by way of um, sort of interest, the, the pastor there at the time was Adam Clayton Powell Sr., uh, and it was a 10,000-member church there in, uh, in, 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 in Harlem. And, and that ministry and his preaching um, had a tremendous impact, and, and Bonhoeffer wrote about that and his experience there, that it gave him the opportunity to see things from below. Uh, Bonhoeffer grew up in a, in a privileged class in, in Germany. His father was a well-known um, psychiatrist and, and, and neurosurgeon and sort of was well-educated with, with tremendous opportunities. And so this experience was a, was a tremendous eye-opener um, for him. And, and he wrote uh, about the perspective uh, of those who suffer oppression and, and what he um, experienced in the way that it had an impact on him, began to open his eyes. And, and he wrote this, Here one can truly speak and hear about sin and grace and the love of God. The black Christ is preached with rapturous passion um, and vision. Uh, and he said this, and this is, this is a big deal because we'll see this come through in his um, understanding of Christian community and, and what it looks like and what it means. He said um, it, he turned um, those things which you mentioned about sort of sin and grace and the love of God, turned from phraseology to reality, um, that those things were returned. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing for us. Those things were turned from phraseology um, to, re, to reality. Uh, it's just like um, Jesus became incarnate. The word um, became flesh uh, and dwelt among us full of grace um, and truth, the way that God has made known to us in a way uh, which, is, which is very real. Bonhoeffer actually, um, not surprisingly, was encouraged by people um, to, to stay uh, away, but he caught one of the last ships back. Um, he was determined um, not to be a, apart from his people, but to be, um, but to be with his people um, during this time. And, uh, and, he, and he said this, the Christian must accept his responsibility as a citizen of this world um, where God has placed him. Uh, and so he was very um, particular about wanting to be back. He was uh, uh, entirely a marked man. Actually, early on, back in the 30s, uh, I think it was 1933, he had actually um, was giving uh, an address um, over, uh, the, over the German national radio, and it was actually cut off um, mid-speech. Uh, it was cut off um, mid-sentence. <laughs> and, and what he said, he was delivering a lecture um, broadcast, uh, and he was uh, critiquing the German public 
for its idolatry of, of looking for a leader. Um, it's idolatry of, 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 of a leader uh, who would, and, it's, and what he said is, they were looking for a leader who would inevitably become a misleader. Um, and, and in the language, they were, they were looking, um, they were looking um, for a, a Fuhrer um, who would become a Verfuhrer. Uh, they were looking for a leader uh, who could very well turn out to be a misleader. And the, the translation of that word uh, as well is seducer. Not only a misleader, um, but a seducer. And of course, when you hear that word seducer, uh, who do you think of right away? You think of Satan, um, our, our, our enemy, the, the deceiver, the accuser, um, the seducer, the, the, the misleader. So from the very beginning, uh, he, he spoke out. Uh, and this book, Life Together, um, comes out of his time when uh, one of the times, one of the numerous times in which after his time away, um, he returned and he was, a, he was leading, basically it was an underground seminary. Um, he was leading an underground uh, seminary, and this he wrote about the experience of that time together in Christian community. So there, uh, obviously, as uh, Hitler uh, came to power, uh, increasingly they were uh, they were watched, they were persecuted, they were uh, put into prison. Uh, Finkelberg is where the uh, is where they were in this particular um, seminary, and uh, and. Numerous people from that were arrested, um, and they were uh, and they were imprisoned um, because of their well, because of their because of their faith. Um, they were uh, they were placed um, into prison, and so. Um, but he wrote uh, as a result of his time um, there some thoughts and reflections uh, about what uh, constitutes um, Christian community. Uh, and one of the things that he says, and I think this is interesting. I'm curious to get your um, response to this because I, I think it's uh, I think it's true, um, and I'm going to share some quotes here in, in just a minute. But one of the things he talks about in Christian community, um, not surprisingly, he said um, Christian community exists only in and through Jesus Christ. That and and you know again, you're talking about Christian community. That shouldn't be a shocker there. But he said it it, it exists only in and through Jesus Christ. And part of what he uh, expresses is this, which I think is incredibly true. That, 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 that human sin and, and, and human ego, yes, we long to be um, in relationships, certainly. Um, and, and sometimes we're rather gracious um, and, and sometimes um, we're generous. And, and yet there is always that element uh, of our motivation because it's something that we're receiving as a result of that. And again, we're, we're human, so you and I never fully um, get away from that. But he, but he talks about how Christian community can exist outside um, of Jesus because of uh, because of human sin, because of, of human ego, we're, we're always um, looking um, to receive uh, something from this again. And that's not that's not altogether um, that's not altogether bad. But the necessity that it has to be in and through Jesus, because Jesus alone um, breaks down the divisions that exist between us and God and between us and one another, that you necessarily have to have Jesus because he's the one who breaks down the barriers, which inevitably which inevitably exist. We need the presence uh, of Christ. And he, he writes this, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. So he says, we belong to one another uh, only through and in 
um, Jesus Christ. I, I find that a little uh, provocative, perhaps, uh, but I think he's right. Uh, you want to say, well, wait a minute. Uh, sort of, let's, uh, let's quibble with this a little bit. Let's talk about this a little bit. But he, but he says, no, he says, what does this mean? It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. So it speaks to, yes, Christian community recognizes that we have the need of one another. And certainly the scripture um, draws on that again and again and again, that we have need uh, of one another. Uh, and he also writes, it means second, that a Christian comes to others only through um, Jesus Christ. It means third, that in Jesus Christ, we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time and united for eternity. That's, a, that's an important thing um, as well. This, this idea that in Christian community, it's not something which is just momentary, it's something for eternity. Um, that, we're, that we're knit together, not just in this particular moment, we're knit together for eternity. Christianity speaks yes to this moment, but it also speaks um, to the life um, that is to come, that, that necessity. Um, the, the, the goal of Christian community, Bonhoeffer would write, is, is this, is to meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. Uh, the goal of the Christian community is, is to meet with one another uh, as bringers um, of the message uh, of, of salvation. He goes on, he says, without Christ, uh, we would not know our brother, nor could we come to him. The way is blocked um, by our own ego. Christ opened up the way to God and um, to our brother. Now Christians can live with one another in peace. Uh, they can love and serve one another. They can become one, but they can uh, continue to do so only by way of Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ are we one. Only through him are we bound together. To eternity, he remains um, the one mediator. So he talks about the necessity of, of Christ being the one who knits us together um, as, as a Christian community. Rather than our um, particular desires or intentions, it's, uh, it's only through the work and through the person uh, of Jesus Christ that we're able to be knit together um, in Christian community. Uh, and I mentioned as well earlier um, when he talks about uh, the way in which um, the, the challenges, he refers to it as our, um, as our wish dream, uh, the wish dreams we bring um, to Christian community. And, and this might be crickets to this question, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out. Um, I'll throw it out anyway. What do you think, what are some of the wish dreams that are projected on the Christian community? Not by us, of course, but by other people um, who are less Christian than we are. Um, so you don't have to speak for yourself, but yeah, what are some, what are some of the wish dreams that are projected on Christian community? I'll throw I'll throw one out because we'll get uh, we're going to get to um, Paul's letter to the Philippians as as well. Um, that the Christian community is a place where everyone gets along, <laughs> and that's been mostly my experience. Of course, um, <laughs> is that it's a place where you know everyone where it's just peaceful. Um, Christian community is peaceful. And I mentioned Philippians because what is one of the things um, that, I mean, in that beautiful, beautiful uh, chapter two of Paul's letter to the Philippians where he, he gives the example of Jesus Christ. He says, you know, though um, equal with God did not count equality with God as something to be grasped uh, in some translations, something to be exploited in some translations, something to be kept. Uh, it was not something that he was kept. It was something that he came and that he gave um, to us, but there's this, and actually Paul quotes a, an early, uh, very, very early, um, either it was a Christian confession or it was a hymn or a, beat, a piece of Christian poetry, which 
uh, talks about um, the virtues of Jesus Christ, though equal with God, did not count equality with God, but something to be, as something to be grasped, but humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, uh, and became obedient even to death, death um, on a cross. And, 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 he, and, he, and he says, consider Jesus Christ, uh, consider Jesus Christ uh, and, and what he has done for us. Uh, consider others better than yourself. Um, Paul says, or, or, or not necessarily to denigrate oneself, but consider others more than yourself uh, is in many ways what he's saying. So I would say that's one of the wish dreams placed on the Christian community is that the Christian community just gets along. I'll tell you this quick story um, at a previous parish. Um, uh, this is so illustrative of the Christian community. We had this um, kind of living room uh, that had this uh, the, the, the building was cinder block. Um, and so, you know, a great way to sort of dress up cinder block is to put faux wooden paneling um, over cinder block. And that's much better um, than, than cinder block. And anyway, uh, some people came to me and said, hey, do you mind if we paint that just to kind of spruce the room up? I said, no, oh, that's great. Go ahead. Um, and I made the mistake of bringing it up at Vestry um, because uh, it was that even one of the things on that particular night, one of the things we we're discussing was whether we would hire our first full-time youth minister. Big deal, right? Eh, maybe we talked about it five minutes. Uh, done. Go ahead. Let's hire our first full-time youth minister. Oh, gosh, by the way, some of the folks are going to paint the room here just to freshen this up. I thought I'd let you know. And then it, uh, we probably had a 30-minute discussion. Um, and uh, the long and short was uh, we, 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 can't, we can't paint this room. You know why? Um, because it would upset some people. Uh, we, we can't paint the room because it would unset, upset some people. Uh, and so literally, we discussed this for like 30 minutes. We had to table it. Um, it was just, it was that significant. I'm like, all right, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this later. And one of my buddies um, was on the vestry at that time. And I still remember this to this day. Uh, he was in there and he said, you know, he said, well, hell, he said, I, 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 I don't care. I, I don't care either way. I really don't. But he said, my boys and I are going to sneak in here and paint this just so we can find out who some people are. Uh, that was, you know, so that's the wish dream of Christian communities that just everybody gets along and there's unity and everybody is focused on the main thing. Uh, that would be one of the wish dreams of Christian community. Um, what, what, what are some of the others that might exist? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the only and and you know, of course, wonderfully, Christianity um, does succeed in the sense that uh, here we are, um, because Jesus Christ is ultimately the head of the church, and He's ultimately the head. Um, of, of our lives. He's the one who sustains. And actually, and I think Bonhoeffer wonderfully, he, he talks about the way um, in which uh, God uh, pierces um, some of our wish dreams of what the church would look like, but it's out of his love and his grace for us that we might ultimately have him um, rather, than, rather than something of our own fantasy and creation that we might actually have him. Um, so the, the, the goal and, and those being pierced is, 
is out of his love and his grace for us. Yeah, any, any, anything else? Um, yes, yes. Sure. Right. Yes. Right. No, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that he um, uh, that he, that he says, and he talks about, uh, he says, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community, and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. So he talks about loving our dream of it. Well, it's just kind of like, that happens in relationships, doesn't it? We have a dream of a person, an image of a person, and that can get in the way of us actually loving that person. <laughs> None of us are that dreamy. After you spend enough time with us, uh, you start to meet. Uh, it's the removal of that that the real thing uh, might, be, uh, might be experienced. And, and that's what he's talking about, that the real um, genuine article um, might that we might it's something that we receive it's something that we receive um thankfully and wonderfully one of the things that he says is is and this is kind of an interesting um uh, thing that he says is that um christian community is not something we create it's something we receive he says it's not something we create it's something that we receive and what he means by that it's it's god's creation rather than our own Again, that doesn't diminish you and me. It just rightly elevates God to say God's the one who creates um, and sustains uh, and that you and I um, are actually, uh, how, do we, how, do we, uh, how do we enter into it? With, with thanksgiving. Um, how do we in, enter into it? Uh, with, with joy and with thanksgiving and receiving the gift of what God has created in himself in Jesus' son. And he, he writes this, Christian community, is like the Christian sanctification. It is a gift of God, which we cannot claim. Only God knows the real state of our fellowship, of our sanctification. What, it may, what may appear weak and trifling to us may be great and glorious to God. Just as the Christian should not be constantly feeling his spiritual pulse, so too the Christian community has not been given to us by God for us to be constantly taking its temperature. The more thankfully we daily receive what is given to us, the more surely and steadily will fellowship increase and grow from day to day as God pleases. Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray um, and hope for it, um, uh, is what he says. It's something um, that, that we joyfully receive. It's something, and that's, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pass that out next time. That's a, that's a lot um, to take in as, as we continue on 
um, next time. And I'll, and I'll just say this, and I'll speak more about Philippians next round, but um, the joy, um, the thanksgiving, the, the reception of this um, Christian community as a gift of God rather than something of our, cre- our own creation. And I think Philippians would be an outstanding example of that because as you remember, if you go back to Acts 15 and 16, Paul had no interest in going to Philippi. Um, that was that was uh, that was not the community he chose. Um, he had uh, he had plans and intentions to go into Asia. And of course, one of the curious things we're told is that the Holy Spirit presented him, uh, prevented him from entering into Asia. Um, that that the Spirit of Jesus um, prevented him from entering into Asia. And and then of course um, we hear that he had a vision, uh, a vision of a man of Macedonia um, saying. Uh, come over and help us. And interestingly, if you're reading through the Acts of the Apostles, uh, Luke switches from the third person to the first person, sort of interesting, and said, and immediately we went. Um, uh, we, we, went we went right away. Uh, and of course, uh, this community in Philippi, which was not the community which Paul would have chosen, turned out to be a, a source of tremendous joy um, for him, a, a source of tremendous delight, a source of tremendous um, thanksgiving. Um, I think it's kind of um, humorous uh, the way that God uh, sometimes places us in community um, that is best for us, but not the community that we would necessarily have chosen, right? (laughs) These aren't the people I would have chosen. Uh, It's like, no, these are the people that you need. Uh, This is the gift um, which I have, which I've prepared for you. Um, to receive that, that great gift in the way that he, that he brings us um, together. You've all had that experience, haven't you? The person you're like, I'm not going to like that person. Um, and it turns out, you know, yeah, you're like, they're exactly the person. Um, uh, thanks be to God. But, but Paul, uh, of course, is, uh, hears this word, um, and they're led, uh, they're led to Philippi. Uh, and there is this just sort of deep um, love and longing, uh, which Paul, and, and I'm in with this, and we'll pick up with more next week, but um, Paul writes this, uh, and this is Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory um, and praise of God. Um, that's uh, just, Paul's just like, forgive me, but I'm going to be sappy here. Um, I just like, I, 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 such, is his, such is his joy, such is his rejoicing for their love and their concern for him, for the gift uh, of, of Christian community, uh, which is not something... Um, which they created, but it was something that God created uh, and which they entered into with, with thanksgiving, uh, with, with joy. It was something um, that they received. And in the reception of that, the, the power and the work of God um, continuing to build more and more in their lives and more and more 
um, in their community. Well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you, um, that you give to us um, your son Jesus uh, in a way which is, um, which is concrete and real. You enter into the world um, that we might be rescued, that we might be redeemed. Uh, and you promise not to leave us as orphans, but to send your spirit. And we thank you that you gather us together as a Christian community, that it is something which you um, have created. It is something which you sustain. It's something uh, which brings us into the life now and the life which will be everlasting. Build um, the community of faith here at the Advent. Build a community of faith in our relationships, in our lives with you and with one another. Uh, protect it um, that we might receive it joyfully, thankfully, that we might cherish it, that we might find in it um, the life and the salvation which is in you. This we ask, this we offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.